actually, I love buying from slumlords uh, to an extent. Now you start out with a bad name. Sometimes that's really hard to shake. And sometimes you can, by buying from a slumlord, automatically city, the city and people around consider you a slumlord immediately. So it's, it's definitely difficult. It's challenging. But it's a challenge I enjoy taking on because think about it. Like these people are paying you good money. Every single month they're paying you good money. They deserve to have a place that's clean, that's, you know, doesn't have crime just buzzing around. Maybe it's got. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today we're stoked to have someone on here that owns over $500 million of real estate, commercial real estate. We're talking about residential living assisted facilities. We're talking about multifamily, which is where his bread and butter is, and then a variety of other things. And so this is a guy that's been able to make his life work for him. And so we're super excited, Todd, to have you on the podcast today. But if you'll take us in as always, what's the craziest real estate experience you faced so far in your career? Oh man. I mean, I've got so many stories I could tell, but I might as well just start with, just start with one. Right. Cause right. We, we could be here probably for two hours. Uh, if you, if you really <laughs> want to just break them down here, but one of my favorite stories is uh, I had this tenant, uh, in a single family house and I was, this was quite a ways back. So I was managing the properties myself and, and, uh, there was a rental inspection that was due on the property. And this guy was kind of a piece of work, right? So anyway, so I tell him we're, we're coming to do this inspection and and I knew there was some stuff to fix. So I got my screw gun out, I'm fixing some things, um, but I go inside the house to fix a few more things and his security alarm went off and I'm trying to call him, trying to say, hey, you know, this is going on. Won't answer it, so, you know, send him a text, nothing. So I'm like, whatever, I gotta get this inspection. Like, we got, I got to get this done. Right. So I'm in there doing some work and I walk out to my vehicle as I'm walking out, five squad cars pull up and come roar. I mean, guns are blazing. All of them jump out and I've got, you know, 10 guns pointed right at me you know, down on your knees. And I dropped down, drop the gun. I got a screw gun in my hand, drop the gun, <laughs> you know, drop the screw gun. <laughs> They pat me down, like, who are you? What are you doing? I'm, I'm just a landlord, you know, here to make some repairs. And, and they throw me in the back of the squad car and go and search the house. And I'm like, I got, I got my cell phone with me still, like, t taking pictures. I don't remember my wife. And they get back and, I, and they take me out of the squad car and they're like, all right, everything's good. You're free to go. And I'm like, ha. You threw me in the back of the squad car. I told you to grab my license, you could, but you never did. You haven't ID'd me. I'm like, what's going on? Oh, yeah. We kind of figured you're the landlord. We we already knew that. But we wanted, we've been wanting to search this house for a long time, but we need a warrant. But since you were robbing the place, we got to go in for, you know, to, to do a oh. safety check. Oh, man. I'm like, oh. That's perfect. So anyways, that was a Did fun they, little, that was the first time I've ever been in the back of a squad car. It's the last time I've been, been in the back of a squad car, but it was pretty exciting. Um, yeah, they didn't find anything. No, but the guy was uh, suspected for dealing drugs and arms um, illegally. So, Did they find yeah. anything? They didn't. They didn't find anything there. He'd uh. already, he'd already 
probably known what was going on and because yeah. they they were it sounds like investigating him for quite a while yeah wow probably and maybe maybe operation. that was kind of his plan thing i'm gonna set the alarm off so they find nothing they think i'm a good guy who knows yeah. how who knows crazy yeah who knows yeah but he wasn't my tenant for very much longer i was able to evict him and get him out of there but yeah, yeah. it was a, it was a blast <laughs> so so you aren't in single family or commercial, but right. that's a single family home. Was that the yeah. trigger where you're like, Hey, I'm not going in cop cars anymore. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that smart. So no, I kept on buying some single family homes and, but it, you know, it was stuff like that. That just was like, all right, this is not really worth my time to be kind of, you know, like I'm showing up to these things. You know what, what really probably set me off the biggest uh, was uh, one time this, I'll make this quick, but one time, uh, I was at a property um, late at night uh, because there was some plumbing issues and I couldn't get a plumber on site. And so I went there to fix the plumbing and it was my wife's birthday and I was supposed to be cooking her dinner. In fact, I was in the middle of starting dinner and she had to finish dinner, get the kids put to bed. By the time I got back, you know, it's late on her birthday and I, I basically missed everything. You know, I come home late at night. She's tired. It's like, you know, made her do everything. And uh, that it's just like, you know what? I can't keep doing this. I mean, if I've got to, if I want to build what I want to build, like I got to do it a smarter way. And so I got to start to trust other people more. I've got to build something bigger. So it's not just about me just grinding. And that's what led to the thoughts of, I can't do that within the single family frame. I've got to get into multifamily. Right. right. So what, right. what right. were the steps then? So you, you recognize, okay, I don't want to miss any more of these birthday dinners. I don't want to miss any more family events. What were the steps you took? Like, did you start reading books? Like what was a journey? Yeah. I mean, I'd already read a lot of books, right? But it was, yeah, continuing to educate myself. And, and, and honestly, it was just needing to take some of those action steps. Um, so, you know, like I said, I, I read a lot of books and I continue to read a lot of books, but it was just surrounding myself then with, I started, I started hanging out with people that were already buying multifamily and it's crazy how quickly all of a sudden my mindset started shifting. When I started doing that, when I started listening to, to podcasts, but podcasts weren't really popular back then. So it was more just actually going to th events and things where multifamily investors were hanging out at and getting to know them and listening to them and just being surrounded by it. And honestly, the big step was, um, I, I was, I was buying small apartment buildings and buying like 20 unit, 10, 10, 20 unit apartment buildings. And I wanted to buy the bigger stuff. And one of the biggest things that uh, probably was, was the biggest benefit to me is I had a mentor at the time, more of a mindset coach uh, than anything. Well, he, was, he was mindset business strategist. And I told him, I said, I want to buy uh, one of, a mutual connection that we, we both uh, knew, uh, bought, ended up buying like a 200 unit building. And I'm like, I want to buy a building like that. And he's like, well, why not do it today? I'm like, you know. Ah, you know, I, I got to get there. I got to, you know, work my way up. He's like, why? You know, and I'll, I'll just call this guy, Bob. Uh, he's like, Bob is, is you no know, smarter than you. You're smarter than him. You've been in the business longer than him. You've done way more transactions than him. You know, construction inside and out, you know, you know how to analyze deals inside and out. There's no reason that you can't do what Bob is doing right now. And I'm like, huh? All right. Well, I'm going to do it. 
And then I went and bought an 84 unit and 120 unit um, within probably just a couple months. Um, well, I put them under contract, you know, right, right, probably a month or so or two after he said that. Yeah, amazing. So literally for you, it was just, you had gone to these events, you had seen enough people doing it, and then you had that one person where it's like, I'm better than this person. And this person's doing well, what it wasn't I necessarily, do. I wouldn't say I'm better than that person, but it was just that realization that, that, yeah, I can do it. Like, oh, wow. Like there's the only thing holding me back is me, you know, Love it. And, and you know, that guy that I'm talking about, super smart person and he's done, he's doing really well for himself and he's an awesome dude. So I wouldn't ever say I'm smarter than anybody, but it, I'm at least capable of doing it. Right. Yes. Which is the same as my story. When, when I got introduced to business to business sales, like I watched somebody and I'm like, dude, if that guy can do it, I can do it. So I can do like, it. I, I relate super deep. You bought a ski resort and flipped it. <laughs> uh, and you were, I think it was Bronson Hill. You were on his podcast talking about it. And one of the things that I resonated with was the fact that like, because it's such a cool property, you wanted to move there. Like, can you take us through that flip? Give us some of the details and like, because we've almost bought a, a vineyard and like, I was like, dude, if we buy this thing, I'm moving, I'm living on the vineyard. Yeah. So walk us through that, that transaction. Yeah. I mean, that was a cool, that was a real beautiful piece of property. It's in um, Minnesota. It's in the, the driftless region. So it's gorgeous bluffs and rivers and all that kind of stuff. And this, this had a, a beautiful trout stream running through it and, and beautiful bluffs. And it was, so it was a ski resort and, but it was a, a shut down defunct ski resort. And my business partner at the time, he was actually walking around the neighbor's property, trying to find uh, good places where the deer are and uh, stumbled on this property. He's like, Oh, this is where all the deer are. And kept on like looking around and he's like, what are all these ski lifts, you know? So went and talked to the neighbor or the owner, I mean, and, uh, and it was perfect timing. Like the heat, this, this owner literally was driving his mom to the doctor and and his mom's like, Hey, you see that barn there that just tipped over. That's going to be our place. If we don't do something about it, we need to sell. And he's like, you're right. We need to sell. And then we show up on the doorstep like the same week and uh he's like all right here here we go and so we ended up buying it for four hundred and fifty thousand dollars and like i said i wanted to do i wanted to live there we want to do like weddings and events live there i was like you know wife i'm like tracy you can you can live there and, and or we can live there and you can run the events and you know i can it's gorgeous area like it's it well and she's like no it's too far i don't want to i don't want to live there and i'm like oh it's only like an hour away you know uh, I'm so glad she said no, because it would have just been a big distraction. Maybe it would have been a, great for her. I don't know. Probably not. It would have been a big yeah. distraction, beautiful property. But, uh, anyway, so we ended up like, we ended up selling it and, uh, sold it for, I think nine fifty. um, just a couple of, uh, we probably owned it for like a year and a half or so did a little wow. bit of work to it, but yeah. So mostly so it was a great just deal. buying it right and market lift and yeah. It's a nice spread. Didn't didn't do too much to it. Cleaned it up a little bit. Got the the roof was bad and it was leaking, and so we replaced that and and just kind of did some minor things to it. Now the the guy that owns it is uh, he's running it. He's running weddings and events out of there. He's got a big snow tubing hill going, and he just opened up the ski in this year. So uh, you know he's doing what should have been done to it. Um, that we just knew it was going to be a distraction.
Yeah, love it. So staying in your lane. So take us through like we we talk a lot to single family, residential, you know, small multifamily. Like if if someone was coming to you and saying, "Hey, I want to do single family." Mm-hmm. But they asked you, "Why shouldn't I do that? Why should I go to multifamily?" Like what would you tell that person? Well, I, I don't and let me preface this with saying there's no right or wrong answer mm-hmm. to this either because I think single family is great and single family can be very profitable. I made a lot of money on single family. But here's what I'll say about it. You've got to decide like what your goals are, right? So uh, single family, I think is great um, if you want to be active and want to continue to want to grow. I think that it's really powerful and you can grow and you can scale and you can continue. And then eventually, if you want to get to multifamily, go ahead and do that. I think it's where, where single family is and, and it doesn't have to be a stepping stone, but I think it's a great stepping stone. And it's, some people do it and just like, I mean, think about it. Like if you have, if you have six to 10 single family houses and that's all you ever buy, you're going to be freaking very wealthy by the time you're ready to ride off into the sunset. Right. I mean, so it's a great, it's a great opportunity, but here's, here's the, maybe some of the downfalls, hard to scale, definitely a lot more difficult to scale. And as you scale up, the costs go up, it, it becomes more difficult, less profitable per property, just how it is. I, I've, I had a hundred of them at one time and it's just, just kind of how it goes. Right. And, and so I think the amount of work and time and effort you have to put into is, is greater, is, is especially if you want to get bigger in scale. And so multifamily allows that scale a lot quicker. I can buy bigger buildings and they're all in one location. I can have professional property management on there. I can have professional onsite staff. You know, people say, oh, I can hire a property management company. Well, sure you can, but you don't have an onsite staff person. I have somebody onsite on my properties. They're there, you know, five to seven days a week, depending on the size of the property. They're there, you know, 40 minimum hours to, you know, 80 hours. Again, depending on how many employees I have and the size of the property. You don't have that in single family. You can't, you just can't afford it, right? And having a full-time staff at a single family house, well, first of all, what would they do? But second of all, they'd eat all your cash flow up. Like it just wouldn't make sense. Um, so so that's that's a huge benefit. Here's here's what I'll say. Um, you got to look at what you want to do. And if you want to create a job and, and you want to do this full-time, you want to create a job or a business, do this full-time, then buying a bunch of single-family houses makes a lot of sense. If you don't want to do that and you've got a great job or you're running a good business or whatever, passively investing in multifamily, is, it makes so much sense. Or even in single-family, but being passive as, as a passive route and investing in a company that's a professional that does it is, a, is probably the best route for most people. Most people, right? Some people love to do it and they, they're like, this is what I want to do, right? But most people, they think they're buying real estate to be a passive investor and they buy that active piece of real estate and they wonder why they've got another job. They wonder why like they hate the tenants, the toilets, and the trash. Oh, crap. I, I want to get rid of these so bad. I talk to so many people, all oh, these stupid houses. Ugh. Oh, they're the death of me. Like, well, yeah, because you thought they were going to be a pass. Somebody told you somehow that they're going to be passive and you believed them and you bought an, a, it's, it's an active business. Like you bought a business and you thought it was going to be passive. So 
Let's talk about how you transitioned out of your 100 units. I'm assuming you don't still own them, right? Did you uh, sell them? I do own a decent amount still. Uh, probably still about 25 to 30 of them. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I just was, I been kind of selling them a couple here and a couple there. Um, and it, honestly, there's almost no like strategy behind it other than right now, at least other than when I get pissed off at a property, <laughs> I sell it. it, it, it it's just We're breaking a, up. It's over. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, like, you know, I don't know, Tata moves out and they damage or something like that. I'm like, screw that thing. <laughs> Get it out. <laughs> you know, just sell it. Uh, whatever. It, uh, it sits vacant for, you know, it's, it doesn't rent out for two weeks. And I'm like, ah, screw it. Get rid of that stupid thing. <laughs> you know, just So it, it doesn't. It's not a strategy. It's just yeah. uh, when I get emotional, then a property <laughs> sells. <laughs> so, so I'm loving this. So, so basically, you kept the hundred properties originally, and you just made the decision to go into commercial, but you yeah. kept those going, and then mm -hmm. you just launched into here, and then you're slowly whittling that down, and so you're only keeping the ones that keep you happy, and then everything yeah. else goes. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. And my kind of goal is to keep. You know, I got a nine-year-old and a 13-year-old, and my goal is to keep at least, uh, you know, five to six of those properties minimum just to have something for them to be able to um, be able to see a little bit more because all my properties are – most of my properties are out of state. So they don't get to really see him much and touch him much. And so these are properties where, you know, last summer I brought my son to it, and he, you know, had the hedge clippers and was – doing stuff like that. And, and, uh, you know, I'll have him up when he gets a little older, he'll probably run around and mow lawns and, you know, things like that. So just, just to have them be able to see that and be a part of it. And eventually, you know, maybe, maybe that's some training wheels for them to get in the business. I don't know. I'm not going to give them houses, but I can sell them houses on a contract for deed or something. It just gives me options. Um, you know, to kind of get them in the business if they, if they so choose you've forged an incredible amount of wealth for yourself and you're talking about having your kids with the hedge clippers and mowing lawns. Like why is it important to you to have them doing work when easily you could just give it? To them? Yeah, because uh, I don't want them to be lazy and unsuccessful. Like I want them to, to be able to see the hard work, you know, same reason why we live in the house we live in. Not that it's a bad house. It's a great house. Most people would be, you know, thrilled to live in this house, but it's, it's not a, huge house and we drive the vehicles we drive because I don't want to show off, you know, that to my kids. Now we do spoil them to an extent, but I, I want to see, I want them to see hard work. I want them to understand hard work. Um, and I think that's going to make them more successful. I mean, I also want to set them up for success and, but in different ways, like I think my job to help them set up for success is allowing a allowing them to see the grind and do and do experience the grind and that but b i think the biggest thing instead of just giving them things is to help them forge relationships set them up with a network now they still have to put in the work right cuz people aren't going to like you and trust you if you're just your daddy you know, sent them your way. They will for a short period of time, but if they can't prove it, they're just going to go away. So 
I think that is probably the thing I would try to give them the most is just like the ability to um, under to, to see my network and to maybe be able to draft a little bit off of that. Love it. And and we're in a very similar look. We just went to Mexico. I know you guys love to go to Mexico, right? Giving them those experiences. But when they're home, it's a matter of like putting them to work and building that character. So now that you're at this level, like, do you keep leveling up your goals or is it like, Hey, you've got this big goal in mind. And when you hit it, you move into a different life of like purpose. How do you structure your life goals? Yeah. So I, I, that, I have continued to increase my goals. Certainly. Um, so my goals, uh, have, have grown. I've achieved my original goals that I set out when I first started this journey. I wanted to hit a certain net worth number and I've exceeded that. You know, I wanted to, I actually wanted to retire by the time I was 40, I'm 41. I could retire. I could be done if I wanted to, but I have no desire to be done. Um, but then you, you mentioned the purpose and I think my goals are so much more orientated towards a bigger purpose and a bigger reason than just a net worth or just me or just a unit number count. You know, my goal was to get a thousand units, retire by the time I was 40, you don't know, have a specific net worth. Now, you know, those aren't, that's not important to me. Like important to me is how I'm affecting other people, how I'm affecting the world. What can I do to, to make this a better place for, for people to live? What can I do to educate people? Uh, I feel like I've learned a lot. I came from humble beginnings as many people did. And, uh, and, and I've been fortunate. I've been blessed to be able to be, uh, or to be able to, you know, just, just achieve a, a lot more than what most people ever will. And, I think it's my duty to help other people learn that and, and teach them that. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the things when I was, um, first started, I had this, this, uh, tenant Her name was Fatima, sorry, Fatima and, uh, Fatima was on section eight and her mom was on section eight and her grandma was on section eight. And she said to me when she was renting the house, she said, when I get off of section eight, will you allow me to still live here? I said, absolutely. Absolutely. Of course. She said, so good because my mom was on section eight, my grandma's on section eight, and I don't want to be on section eight. I want to break this, you know, uh, path basically. And, and, uh, you know, we talked a little bit, how are you going to do it? I'm going to be a realtor and blah, blah, blah. And I don't, I don't know where she's at right now, but what I do know is I had to evict her. Because she couldn't make her small payments that she had to make. She was on Section 8, but she still had to make like $75 a month payments and she couldn't make those. And I, and I worked with her and I worked with her and worked with her. Eventually, I had to evict her. And when I would go to the house, I, you know, the, her kids had brand new whatever, you know, I don't uh, Nintendos and not Nintendos. I'm not a techie kind of. I don't right. play all that type, type of stuff. But they would have all these toys. And I'm like... I don't have those. How, <laughs> right. how do you have those? It's just this cycle and they get stuck in it. And so one of my like dreams is to help. And I, there's eradicated is probably never going to happen, but that's my, like my goal. Like, could I, could we somehow change that mindset and get people into the right mindset? So as many people as I can affect in a positive way, that's, that's where I'm at right now. 
That's so cool. And you had mentioned too on another show where, I mean, obviously like the type of living conditions you're giving people matters to you. Yeah. I know the world oh, yeah. looks at wealthy people. They see you have a $500 million portfolio and they're like, this guy must be just screwing people and slumlording it. But that's yeah. not your perspective. Can you give us an example? Like what standard do you set for your properties and how do you go about structuring that? Yeah, I mean, we we want our properties, you know, our kind of our goal, right? Is, is everybody we're providing everybody with safe, clean, affordable housing, and so we're looking at how can we improve these properties, have really excellent conditions. I mean, I actually I love buying from slumlords uh, to an extent. Uh, now you start out with a bad name. Sometimes that's really hard to shake. And sometimes you can, uh, by buying from a slumlord automatically city is the city and people around consider you a slumlord immediately. So it's, it's definitely difficult. It's challenging, but it's a challenge I enjoy taking on because man, and these, these people don't deserve to have They're paying. Think about it. Like these people are paying you good money every single month. They're paying you good money. They deserve to have a place that's clean that's you know doesn't have crime just buzzing around maybe it's got crime because of the area you're in but you need to be doing everything you can as a landlord as an owner to be responsible to try to keep that away from your property right to kind of clean that up keep the grounds clean and in good condition you know make sure people are safe when they come to the property and then you know, are you maintaining the inside? Are you maintaining the outside? Are you, you, you got to provide a nice place for people. They're paying you a lot of freaking money. You, the least you can do is take care of their, their building. That's what you promised to do. You promised that, that here, here, that it's what blows my mind. Like you promised to take care of their property, to give them a good, safe, clean place to live in exchange for them to pay rent. So if you expect them to pay rent, provide them a good place. If you're not going to provide them a good place, then don't collect their rent. Then just let them live there for free. Yeah, 100%. I want to talk about podcasting. You've been podcasting since 2017. You're on year six. Talk to me. How has podcasting affected you? Like what things mm. have you learned? What have you become? What have been the fruits of six years or so of conversations? Well, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, right? It's it's six years of conversations with a lot of successful people. So I'm talking to very successful people, uh, you know, at, on a minimum of a weekly basis, and I'm learning their journeys, their stories. I ask a lot of questions: how, how have they made mistakes? You know, what what are their favorite books? I, mean, I think about most of the books that I've read over the last you know six years. Most of them have been recommendations from my guests. You know, and so I'm in, just just in that alone, it's worth it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm learning how, what, what kind of habits they have, what kind of people are they surrounding themselves with? What kind you know, what are they seeing in the market? What aren't they seeing in the market? It's get, it's got me invitations to speak at conferences and it, you know, it's, and, and that is so invaluable. And it's just having this podcast for six years has made me learn so much about how other people are doing business and about how I should be doing business. And uh, I mean, it's just allowed me to become definitely a lot more, a lot better business owner. And I would say a lot better person in general, just, just to try it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you, um, it always, you know, like you get reminders all the time. And I, I think we know a lot of this stuff. 
You know, like anything I'm saying today is not earth shattering, but it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Oh, I, I haven't thought about that for a while. Like that's the cool th- part about like somebody says something, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. You're like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta implement that back into my life. Something like that, you know? So that, that's been a huge, and of course it's been good for, for my business. I get a lot of investors uh, from my podcast. A lot of people will hear me on another podcast and then they'll listen to mine and they'll get to know me and, and say, Hey, you know, I've been listening to you for a while and love to invest. And so it's, you know, that's, that's definitely been a good thing as well. So, yeah, it's been great. So with the size of your portfolio being half a billion dollars, the network of relationships you built and the skills that you have, if you could only take one of them with you on the next couple of years of your journey and had to build the others back, which, what would you take? Would you take your portfolio, your relationships or your skills? Oh, my relationships. Yeah. Without even thinking, it sounds like, like why, why so definite? Uh, I mean, that's, that's all that matters in life. Like my money doesn't matter. The skills, I can learn skills, the relationships. And these are people like people are, I mean, like, I I don't want to, I don't want to ruin relationships. Like my wife and my kids, they mean everything in the world to me, my friends, like family. And that's like the love in your life. Right. I mean, yeah, I don't want to lose that. Like I, that's, that, that is irreplaceable. Like I can make new friends certainly. Right. I mean, I can, I can, you know, do all that, but it, it's irreplaceable. Like once you lose a friend or a spouse or a kid, like they're gone. Like you can't get that same person back. It's, everybody's unique. So it's a hundred percent. And, and this, this has yet to differ like, and, and even, even when you narrow down the question to just business relationships, let's say like still, Always the same answer. And what I find interesting is that despite the fact that this is always the answer with successful people, it's not always what's being chased at by people getting started. So love to put this, this message out there. So what would you say has been one of the most impactful relationships you've held, let's say business relationships, uh, you know, as you've gone through your career? Man, again, that's a, that's a tough one because there's been a lot of different phases in the business. So there's a lot of people that have been very influential. I mean, my first business partner was extremely influential, even though we we split up. Um, but I, I would say that the gentleman and it's Trevor McGregor. He's the one that I hired as a mindset and, and business coach, and he's the one that got me out of my own way. Really, uh, that's that's what it was. I was in my own way. I, I had limiting beliefs, and he helped me see those limiting beliefs. Uh, so he's maybe the the most impactful, but there's been so many others that I could just keep on mentioning is even authors, like even authors, um, you know, do the, the, I read the Bible all the time. Like the Bible has taught me so much in business that you wouldn't think that like the Bible is a business book. It, it just hundred percent is a business book. You don't even think about it. You think about what is a spiritual book and it is, but it's a business book too. Like read the, read the book of Proverbs. Like, holy cow, it teaches you so much about business and how to, how to run that aspect of your life. So, yeah. I want to dive into this with you. My wife and I get up at four in the morning and we read Proverbs together in the morning, usually between three and 10 verses. So we could dissect mm. on it. Like describe some of the impact that Proverbs has made on you. I, I mean, it just talks about, you know, um, values around money, right? Values around uh, your work ethic and who your work, you know, like your work is a reflection of really your relationship with God. God, God created us to do work. 
And if you're not doing work, you're not really being a part of, of, of God or of God's world. Right. And the other thing too, is like everything we're doing here on earth is for the kingdom, right. For, for God's kingdom and for, for his, for his purpose. And so, you know, the, the money that I make, it's, it's not my money, it's, it's God's money and how I handle that money is a reflection, you know, upon basically my relationship with God. And, and so it, it, I, I don't know, there's, my thoughts aren't very succinct right now and that, but I, it's so valuable um, to be thinking about your relationship between money, between God, uh, you know, and I think how you're serving the world, how you're serving um, the kingdom um, in general and how it works together. And it's really easy to get caught up in, this is for me, this is for my family, this is for whatever, but it's, if you really boil down to, uh, for me at least, it's this, this is for God. Yeah, incredible. And if you're willing, like, talk about your relationship to God. Like, how has that served you in business? Man, I, I mean, I think uh, incredibly, um, I think for, for one, um, just knowing that this isn't all about me, right? It has created that humility. Um, and I think that's a, for at least I think it's a good thing. I know some people are successful being not very <laughs> humble, uh, yeah. but for me, at least it keeps me grounded uh, for sure. And it keeps, uh, you know, I, obviously honesty and honesty is, is, is everything, right? Respect and integrity and honesty um, is everything. And in prayer, I mean, I, you know, a lot of people meditate, a lot of people pray, a lot of people, you know, they, but for me, my form of meditation is just prayer and it allows me to, to slow down and to think and to process and to really put it into God's hands and to trust that whatever happens, good, bad, or indifferent, like he's got it covered. Right. And, and, uh, and I don't have to carry all those burdens myself. And so, I mean, the prayer in, in, in business and being, a, you know, it's, it's a lonely kind of, it's, a, it's lonely being an entrepreneur at the top. And so having, having prayer as a part of your life is, allows kind of that loneliness a little bit to be taken care of, right? So it allows you to have somebody to just talk to, um, even though sometimes, you know, all the answers don't come back right away. Uh, but it just, it, it's really a sounding board. Love it. And so what do you see as the vision for your life and business in the next 12 to 18 months? Boy, 12 to 18 months. I mean, look, we're, we're continuing to try to grow the business. We're trying to do things the right way and continue to grow, uh, be smart about how we do things. We're really trying to bring a lot of, of the uh, operations to the forefront. And so this year, 2023, is really about growth in our operations and trying to be more efficient in how we do business and, and hopefully hire a couple more employees to really help streamline some of that stuff and to create um, a more cohesive business. So we're trying to, we're trying to get to a point where we bring really everything more in-house. And so we're trying to get our construction in-house and our 
property management in-house and, and really create a vertically integrated business. So I think that's, you know, 12, 18 months. I mean, maybe all that's not going to happen, but that at least that's the, that's where our, our growth is, is going towards. Um, and as far as life, uh, you know, look, I mean, I've got two younger kids, nine and, and 13. It's really important for me to continue to be dad and even be a better dad and a better husband. Mm -hmm. And so always working on that. I mess up all the time. I'm not very good at it either probably, but you know, I try my best to continue to grow in that uh, aspect and continue to be, to be better and, you know, continue to have uh, good adventures and, um, just try to be there for them, right? Just try to be there at the right times for them. Of course, business, it takes a lot of my time, but um, the beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur is that we have that flexibility. And so I can run to sporting events or, you know, pick my kids up and bring them to school in the morning or whatever it might be, so. Love it. Todd Dexheimer, thank you so much for sharing about your life and your business. And before we go to the outro, how can people, if they want to invest in multifamily, how can they learn more about that? How can they connect? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so in endurusscapital.com is probably the best place. So it's E-N-D-U-R-U-S capital.com. Just explore the website. You'll see how they can connect. Uh, my email is Todd at EnduristCapital.com. So if anybody who just wants to directly connect with me there, I'm on social media, uh, LinkedIn and Facebook, but I would say send me a, a direct message because I'm really bad at accepting friend requests. It's just the truth. Uh, so send me a, a DM, say, hey, I heard you on the Freedom Chasers podcast and <laughs> want to connect. <laughs> Perfect. So, um, and last thing too, is I got a, the, the podcast, which we've talked about, uh, pillars of wealth creation. If anybody wants to take a listen, you know, it's on all the, all, all the podcast channels, wherever you're listening to this, you know, tune into freedom chasers and then, uh, check out pillars of wealth afterwards. Love it guys. And for those of you listening, like write something down that you learned from today. I mean, whether it be just the mindset of, of doing things well, doing things right, right. Honoring your, your people that you're serving. I mean, if you're not providing a good product, maybe don't make them pay, whatever it is, write it down, share it with somebody you know, so they can hold you accountable because freedom's acquired one action at a time. And if you start taking these steps before you know it, you'll be living a life of freedom and purpose. So thanks guys for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode.